Hello there, good afternoon once again. Welcome back to Cresta in the Afternoon. Marcus Peter filling in for the inimitable El Cresta. We'll be talking more with Jeff Kassab at the beginning of this hour for the first two blocks, actually. The word covenant denotes a promissory agreement establishing a kinship bond between two parties. Now, I want to make very clear that doesn't mean that a covenant is a promise. It's a promissory agreement, perhaps, but it entails a lot more. Covenants can be found throughout the scriptures, and marriage is a special kind of covenant. In the new and eternal covenant with Christ, marriage entails a sacramental participation in Christ's own plan for his faithful. I'm talking in this hour with Jeff Kassab. Jeff is a Catholic evangelist and blogger. He's a dear, dear friend, and you can find his writings at The Journey to Heaven, all all in one word with no space, dot com, thejourneytoheaven.com. Jeff, my friend, how are you doing? Wonderful, Marcus. Thank you. So good to hear your voice. Likewise, brother. Likewise. And I'm, I'm so, as usual, honored that uh, just to be able to interview you. Now, for those of you wondering, Jeff and I uh, recorded an interview sometime last week, and it aired last week on my program, Unveiling the Covenants, and the TV episode is available on YouTube, and I would greatly encourage everyone to take a look at it. Jeff is an extremely passionate preacher about the reality and beauty of marriage and the family. So, uh, Jeff, j- just... Give us an overview of what we talked about in unveiling. What, what, what is, first of all, what is covenant? Yeah, let's start with the, with the biggest question. What is a covenant? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Many people understand covenant in different meanings. And if you, a covenant in a secular world really has a totally different meaning than a covenant in a biblical world mm-hmm. as far as, as, far as the uh, scriptures are concerned, right? And again, I think you mentioned people think that a covenant is, you know, like a contract, like, um, you know, like a contract where two people, parties sign something, and you know, it can be broken. They can go to court and they can break it and do whatever they want. But a covenant is, I think, is so important for people to understand that it's, it's, it's more than a promise. It's a promise between God and his people, between God and the couple that's getting married, which... <clears throat> There is no breaking. Um, this covenant cannot be broken. And this is the promise made to us. Um, and even Jesus repeats that, tells us that in Mark, uh, Mark 10, uh, uh, Mark 10, 9, he says, What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. So we know that the covenant comes directly from God. And Jesus is not even saying anything new. Jesus is just quoting the Old Testament of what was said in there. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's it's very interesting to see that how we can direct all the sacraments. We can relate them. We can uh, they can go directly to God. Like we can trace them all the sacraments, the seven sacraments, directly to God. Nothing of them is man made. They're all from God. So, um, the covenant is is between man. Uh, between man and his, you know, his bride, and between God, and it's something that cannot be broken. Right. So in reality, like a, a proper definition, I think it's, it's a covenant is the only word that will describe the relationship between God and humanity. We are His adopted sons and daughters. Um, so it's a permanent, it's a permanent bond between us and God. Amen. Amen. And, and and those are some truly powerful words because you make the, this distinction, right distinction between contract and covenant. We don't create the stipulations in terms of a covenant. We receive them from God, 
from, yeah. from what you're saying. So elaborate more on that. Why have we lost the notion of covenant in the public sphere? Yeah, you know, uh, Marcus, we talked about this on the show, and, you know, um, uh, covenants, um, uh, contracts are broken by men, mm-hmm. but covenants are written on the heart of men. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not something that we can do, like you said, like we say, hey, uh, this is this is what I want the co- the covenant to be. You know, this is what I want my bride to do in order for the marriage to work. And mm. we've lost that because the secular world has lost the notion of what the meaning of marriage means. Mm. The, the meaning now in the secular world of marriage is just, you know, um, if a marriage doesn't work out after two, three years, four years, five years, um, you know, we'll get a divorce and, and we'll, you know, we'll move on. Uh, there's, um, you know how they use the term. You know, there's plenty of fish in the sea. Oh, yeah. You know, which is a very I, I don't like that term, but that's yep. what they use. Um, and it's become and you know uh, Hollywood and all the and the media and so people go into a marriage nowadays, not not thinking that the marriage is lifelong. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's eternal. It's till death do you part. Mm-hmm. Not till whenever you feel like it's over, and you know so we've we've gone through so much marriage prep, so many couples that have come to marriage mentoring, and a lot of them uh, a lot of them still are fighting for marriage, but Marcus, we see so many of them just throw them in the towel after a couple of years. I give up, you know if we throw in the towel after a couple of years or after a, a you know a major problem that comes up. There would be no marriages lasting at all because all marriages have their share of problems, including mine and my brides, including your brides, and mm-hmm. we all have the problems. But if we don't incorporate Christ and the sacrament, not just at the marriage, at the at the altar, but if the sacrament and Christ are not the center of the marriage throughout your marriage, your marriage will fail. And we've seen plenty of marriages that don't are not a Christ-centered marriage, mm-hmm. and they're the ones that are failing. We hardly get any couples that go to church and pray together and go to confession together come to us and say we're having problems. Mm-hmm. So something is, there has to be a common denominator there, Marcus, <laughs> and the common denominator is there's no Jesus. Amen. There's Amen. no Jesus in their marriage. This is the biggest problem that we are seeing today in marriages. I'm talking to Jeff Kassab, Catholic evangelist and blogger, dear friend. Uh, Jeff, before we continue, I just want to ask you to talk a little bit about the the ministry, the apostolate that, uh, first of all, the the ECRC, but also uh, what you and your bride do uh, as an extension to your work at the ECRC in terms of journeying with married couples. Yes, yeah. So um, I work at, through ECRC. I'm on the board there, and um, we have a speakers bureau. And I've taught many uh, Bible studies and catechism and apologist classes and scripture classes, and um, taught a class called Journey to Heaven, uh, Journey with John, the Gospel of John. And um, we do a marriage prep that is run that is through ECRC which is our um, Eastern Catholic Re-Evangelization Center, and this goes out through all the dioceses. So me and Haram are involved in the marriage prep. We do small groups, and we do presentations 
for the couples. And then as we started this, we just started noticing couples, you know, coming up to us and, uh, you know, we need help and, and we're, it's fine. You know, uh, I think it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, couples coming mm-hmm. and seeking advice from couples that have married for a long time. I think that's a great thing for couples to do right. where they can seek advice from couples that have been married and have gone through everything that they've gone through. So uh, we do, like I said, marriage ministry. We mentor couples. Um, she's a, she's a big part of my ministry. Um, you know, she's always with me at uh, at our at our during our podcast mm-hmm. and um, all the stuff that we do. So um, it's all ministry is is. You know, we're just trying to preach the kingdom mm-hmm. and all glory, all glory to God and Jesus Christ. And um, as I told you earlier, I always keep in mind the saying from St. John, you know, uh, we must decrease and he must increase. So it, it doesn't matter how much work we do. It has to be for the glory of the kingdom, for the church and for Jesus Christ. Amen. So I, w- I want to go back to exactly that. The, w- the last time we spoke, one of the things that you highlighted very very powerfully is that marriage entails a kind of martyrdom, especially for the man, you know, this real call to die to self. We have about three minutes, just briefly touch on it and we can continue the conversation on the other side of the break after. Yeah. um, For a married couple, if you don't have a picture of a crucifix in your house, you will never understand the meaning of marriage because that picture of the crucifix is exactly what marriage is. And that's exactly what Jesus did on the cross, is that he died for his church, and we know that his church is his bride. As Ephesians 5.25 says, um, that um, Jesus loved loved his his church so much that he died for her. Mm -hmm. He loved his bride so much. And this is our call as a wife or a husband, is to die daily to one another, right? And, you know, so, Marcus, the, the word sacrifice literally means to make holy. Mm. So as we're sacrificing for each other in our, married, in our marriage, at the same time, we're making each other holy, or at least we're growing in holiness, right? So I, that, uh, we can talk way so much more about sacrifice. But if you're not willing to sacrifice, especially us men, to protect our families, to protect our wives, our children, come home, die to ourselves every day and live for them. And we, people, men say, well, where is the joy in that? Well, your spouse is doing the same thing for you. Mm-hmm. She's coming and she's dying every day and she's living for you. And that dying to each other is a resemblance of the Trinity. Mm. Right? The father pours out his love to the son. The son empties out his love to the father and we get the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect marriage, and we are model, trying to model that perfect marriage. Yeah, amen. We've been talking to Jeff Kassab, Catholic evangelist and blogger, and we're talking about the place of marriage in the new and eternal covenant of Jesus Christ. I would like to read from uh, Catechism 1612 about this. The nuptial covenant between God and his people Israel paved the way for the new and everlasting covenant in the Son of God in which, becoming incarnate and giving his life, he has united himself in a certain way to all mankind whom he has saved, and he has prepared us for the wedding feast of the Lamb. 
So, uh, Jeff, we have uh, just under a minute in this segment. Uh, just a very quick exhortation to, to those who are just coming into the interview right now in terms of uh, what ought we to think about whenever we think about marriage? Um, we have the wrong definition of love. And I ask couples all the time, tell me what your definition of love is. And we get amazing words. Sacrifice, uh, love, um, do surrender. All, and none of the words are wrong. But if, according to St. Thomas Aquinas, mm-hmm. Love is to do the will, the good of another. Mm -hmm. I'm always seeking to do the will of the good of my bride. That's true love. She's doing the same for me. Amen. We're going to continue our conversation with Jeff Kassab, Catholic evangelist and blogger. His writings are at journeytoheaven.com, and we're talking about marriage and the new and eternal covenant. I'm Marcus Peter, filling in for Al Cresta on Cresta in the Afternoon. Welcome back to Crest in the Afternoon. Marcus Peter filling in for Al Cresta on this lovely Monday afternoon. I'm talking to Jeff Kassab, Catholic evangelist and blogger, dear friend, about the place of marriage in the new and eternal covenant with Jesus Christ. Jeff is uh, not just an evangelist and blogger, he also works with the Eastern Catholic Reevangelization Center. And uh, he and his bride, Ahlam, do a tremendous amount of work journeying with couples to either prepare for or even repair and grow in their marital bond. So, Jeff, I want to continue the conversation on uh, this, this role of sacrificiality in marriage, you know, to make one holy. What are some of the things you are seeing and noticing in men of our generation? How are we not fulfilling the call of dying to self? We can do a whole couple segments on that, Marcus, (laughs) (laughs) on on manhood and what it means really to be a man, a man of God and base your identity on Christ instead of on what the world is telling us. And Mm -hmm. I think this is the problem we are having today with men. I think men are so tied up. And I, and this is a big, uh, one of my biggest talks I give at marriage prep the last week and addressed to men. And, you know, once you start, once you start saying to yourself, you know, um, when can I go out with my friends and I want to do this and I want to go here and I, 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 mm. then to be honest, you're not ready for marriage. Uh, you know, your single life is over. You know, marriage is a commitment and it's a sacrifice. And a lot of men are afraid to make sacrifices nowadays. Um, I think they're so tied up in their own careers and them having a good time and them doing this and them doing that, that um, there's no room for a relationship, for a, actually for a, a covenant relationship in their lives. They want relationships. They don't just don't want a, a, a covenant relationship, which is lifelong lasting. Right. So the men are just so the secular world is just telling men, look, um, you know, this, the world doesn't want a nuclear family anymore. And the world is telling women, you don't need a man. Mm. You can get a job. You can support yourself. You can have kids without a man. You can do everything a man can do. You don't need him. So the secular world, and I will use the secular world, and I will say the devil mm. is, is, is ruining marriages 
and he's getting in the in the hearts and minds of men and we need as men we need to really take back um our world take back the world that god gave us for us men to 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 be in control of and to lead our families and our children to christ instead instead of men doing that they are going out and doing whatever they want to do, mm. right? And they are not taking care of the family. So what is who is the family learning from? And I tell couples all the time, you know, when your child turns 18 and they go to a college, they leave and they come back in a couple years and say, Mom, Dad, I'm an atheist. I'm a Jehovah. I'm a Mormon. I'm, you know, don't be upset at the child. You should be upset at yourself because you failed as a parent in teaching them who Jesus Christ is. Mm. And I blame the father for that because, and the, the mother too, they both have responsibility, but it's a father's role to be in charge of his family and lead them to Christ. Because when they see a father doing these things, the children just are more receptive mm. to, um, to, to t- using their father as a role model. And that's, to me, that's the biggest problem I'm seeing these days, Marcus. And that's really, really sad. Some years ago, Focus on the Family did a survey, a, a, a kind of pretty wide-reaching survey on uh, if the uh, if a different member of the family embraces the faith and the percentage that that involves in terms of conversion for the rest of the family. And the staggering statistic was when the father embraces, lives out, and vibrantly participates in a faithful life. The, the odds of the entire family being faithfully Christian is well over ninety percent. I mean, you can't yeah, make I up those that odds. Survey. Yeah, it went from it went from without the father, like twenty percent, and when the father is involved, it went to eighty five, ninety percent. Mm-hmm. I remember that survey. Yes, hundred percent. So, just yeah. looking at that, I want to go back to what you said earlier that men today are being taught that we want relationships, but we don't want covenant relationships. So, what's the yeah. distinction there? Well, the distinction is in a relationship without a covenant, the man can bail any time, Marcus. Mm. The man has no um uh he has no commitment. He has um no covenant commitment and it's not even in it's not even a contract. Right. It's you know what? Um when I'm done and I'm tired of you and things don't work out um, I'm sorry, but life's too short, and I'm going to move on. Mm. When yet entails, it's just the opposite. Yes, life is too short, so I will make this covenant, uh, fulfill it, mm. and make it work with my bride. I mean, God, God says in Exodus 19, very clearly, I will be your God, and you will be my people. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is an invitation. God is giving us an invitation right there to enter with him, to enter into this covenant. I will be your my, your God, and, and you will be my people. Nobody has ever been able to say anything like that. So we have the God of the universe, the God that created marriage and covenants, and the sacraments, saying here, listen, I'm your God, and you will be my people. He's not asking them if you want to be my people. He's telling them you will be my people. And Amen. Yet, right? Yep, yep. And, and you know, we just enter into this like it's just no big deal. And I remember me and you talking about this one time. And I think it was on the show last time. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, Marcus, you know, everything Jesus teaches in the scripture, the world tells us the exact opposite. Right. Have you realized that? Yep. Everything. When it comes to marriage and morals, the Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes, anything that Jesus taught morally, the world says, no, this is old news. This is an old uh, book that was written 2,000 years ago. It's not relevant today. Yet, if anything, Scripture is more relevant today than it ever has been in our lives. Amen. Amen. I'm talking to Jeff Kassab, Catholic evangelist and blogger. He's also a speaker and uh, a formator at the Eastern Catholic Re-Evangelization Center up here in Michigan. Uh, so, Jeff, let's uh, zoom in again to this whole image of bride and bridegroom as mirroring Christ and the church and the cross. The, the, there's a real reality that on the day bride and bridegroom stand before God and the assembly and professing their vows to each other, that they are essentially saying everything of my life is now completely yours and everything of your life is completely mine. We hold nothing back from each other. But that doesn't yeah. seem to be the secular understanding for marriage as if it were a contract. What's going on there? Why Why does the world shy away from that? Yeah. Well, uh, again, I think so many people... If I tell couples all the time to listen, focus on the words um, on, on your on your vows. Don't just say them. Mm. Like they really have a true and deep meaning. Okay, you want to make your own vows, whatever you want to do, but they're meaningful. But couples are so tied up with the wedding and the photographer and the dress and the makeup and ah, all these, which are important. But they're all secondary to what's actually going on there at the altar. And if if the world is trying to take God out of the picture, out of our schools, out of government, out of um, out of office buildings, out of then what's what? Why would people take marriage seriously, Marcus, or mm-hmm. take the covenant seriously when? They want God out of everything. Right. So why put God in your marriage, right? You know, when they go and get married on a beach or go and get married in a park, you know, there's no sacrament, there's no altar, there's no, there's nothing there mm-hmm. that portrays that, you know, God is a witness to your marriage. Yes, God is everywhere, but that's, it's, I, I, it just doesn't make any sense to me when people go out on a beach and, and do do a marriage there. Right. How can you take your marriage seriously if you got married on the Atlantic Ocean? Right. You know, I mean, does it make any sense? Um, so I think we need to really bring God back into this and to really understand, if nobody understands the marriage, you really need to read Ephesians 5, starting from 521, mm. and really to truly understand when 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 Jesus says, uh, when St. Paul tells us, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I cannot think of a more beautiful Bible verse for marriage than this one, because it sums up your whole marriage in one sentence. Mm. It's not just, you don't just love your wives, because we know, as we talked earlier, that Love is not love cannot be based on a feeling, right? Because if Jesus, if Jesus based what he did on the cross 
for feelings. He would not he have, would done, have it. Never done it. Yep. He would nobody would nobody would have done it, right? Yep. So 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 Christ uh, based this off of what love really means, which is sacrifice. Said not only did he give himself up for us to save us from our sinful human nature, but he did it for the church, for his bride. Yeah. So that's why when I have a crucifix and I look at it every day, it reminds me of my marriage. Yeah, you know, um, the cross was, was hard and we have to take up our cross daily and follow it, but the rewards of the cross is eternal life. Amen. The rewards of my marriage is is fruitfulness, is openness to life, is you know, sharing good times and bad times with your bride and mm. just so much. I mean, marriage is, is wonderful, but it's what you make of it. And it's who you bring into it, Marcus, mm. that's not only your bride, but I'm talking about Christ. Amen. And I just totally 100% in my heart believe, and from me and Ahlam have seen, without a Christ-centered marriage, it's very hard for it to be to be successful. Amen. And those are extremely powerful words, and yet that's entirely true. And that would be a perfect place for us to end this segment. I've been talking to Jeff Kassab, a dear friend, Catholic evangelist and blogger, speaker at ECRC, the Eastern Catholic Reevangelization Center up in Michigan. So, Jeff, if someone wants to get in touch with you just very briefly, how can they do that? Um, they can contact me through ECRC, which um, uh, ECRC.org, you can find us. I'm sorry, ECRC.us. Um, we're on the internet. I have my blog is Catholic Avenger. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, um, the, the Journey, Journey to Heaven dot com. We have a we have a uh, a podcast called Catholic Avengers. Um, there's many ways you can get a hold of me. Facebook, my phone number is on there. My email, or they can contact my good friend Marcus. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Marcus Peter filling in for Al Cresta on Crescent in the afternoon.